Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host, Claire Watkins, joined this week by Lori Lindsay, who has been very busy. We have this big summer of international soccer. She's been on the Euros beat, but we are here to talk about the United States because there's a lot to get into here. How's it going, Lori? How are you hanging in there? Yeah, great. Good to talk with you. Good to see you. Um, Yeah, no complaints here in terms of Euros has been awesome Um, and yeah, happy to be here chatting with you. So thanks. All right, perfect. So let's get into it. The United States did win the CONCACAF W Championship just last night. They played Canada in the final. They won one to nothing on an Alex Morgan penalty kick. Um, I was asked this question by somebody else earlier today, and I think it's a good one. And so I'll flip it over to you, Lori. So for people who didn't watch last night, if there's anybody who, who couldn't couldn't make it to the game, you know, um, Monday night, hard to grab onto. You see this score line. You see one nothing, Alex Morgan penalty kick. You probably think to yourself, oh, this looks very similar to the Olympic semifinal. It just went in a different direction this time. Yep. Was that the impression you got from this game or did it feel different than the last time these two teams met? Oh, yeah, I think it definitely felt a lot different. And, um, you know, some missed chances, but I think if you look at like the stats and stuff, you can see that uh, Mal Pugh and Sophia Smith, <laughs> um, you know, caused a ton of trouble, which is awesome. Always a bright spot for the U.S. But yeah, I think, you know, this is one of the better games that we've seen or probably the best game that we've seen the U.S. play, in my opinion, in a while. And I think it was high energy. I think there was um, um, long bouts of control of the game. I think this, especially in the second 45, we got to see some um, newer players. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Sofia um, Huerta mm-hmm. and what she can bring, right? Um, and so it's good to see her to be able to get some minutes and Andy Sullivan in that six, what that looks like, right? And then, as I mentioned, up ahead. So with Sophia Smith and Mal Pugh and, and what they can do and, and in the against like a really good what I consider Canada defense. So I thought it was overall like a really good performance. Um, and again, one of the better ones that we've seen in a long while. Yeah. Let's hone in. Let's hone in on a couple of those performances. Um, I will admit I was a little bit surprised that where to got the start, not because I don't think that she could handle it, but because I thought, you know, they're playing Canada. Kelly mm-hmm. O'Hara hasn't didn't play in the last game. I was like, surely they're saving Kelly O'Hara for yeah, this yeah. moment. Um, so it, I was a little bit surprised to, to see where to start, but I thought this was the perfect game for her because we saw her get burnt a couple times, mm-hmm. right? At the beginning of the game and it didn't sink the team, right? It didn't change the game state. But I do think that when you talk about learning experiences, if Huerta really is a long-term option on the right side in a defensive role, in addition to an attacking role, this felt really useful for her to get used to what that feels like playing against someone who can really take it to her defensively and then the team making adjustments. So what did you think of where to obviously we know what she can do going forward. Her crosses. She's one of the best crossers possibly in the world right now. Yep. What would you say to a player that clearly has some defensive angling touches things to work on there, walking away from a game like this one? Yeah, I would, I would say great experience and actually, um, Great performance because I think in the games like that, when they mean a lot, you have a rivalry um, in Canada 
um, obviously losing the previous game in the semifinals of the Olympics. You know what it means, right? And also the Olympics in 2024 on the line for this game, not only just bragging rights and um, winning CONCACAF. So to be able to understand that maybe your positioning wasn't right, you got burned. And, and a lot of credit to Nichelle Prince because yes, course, right. also she's always been a quality player, but the elevation of her game in the last she, year. This has been the best year of her career, yeah, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, scoring the hat trick, right? We've seen earlier this year with Houston and just what and positionally putting herself in like really good positions, I think, to be um, a nuisance to Huerta. But I think, you know, the biggest thing, that's not easy when you're, when you have a player like Michelle Prince going at you, cutting inside, you know, you've got some things wrong with your footwork that can be cleaned up as a defender. So that's the bright spot. But then to be able to regroup mm-hmm. and still in the middle of a 90 minute performance, right. Yeah. And to be able to still put in the performance that you are um, at the other end as well, plus clean up some defensive things, get support. We saw Sophia Smith tracking back. Right. I think black would even mentioned making right, a little the adjustment that, that they made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Listen, that is massive in a game of that importance to be able to just kind of like regroup or stay just like calm in those situations. So I would be like, hell yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Here's some things. Here's some clips that we need to work on in terms of getting your footwork right. Because that, like I said, that can be cleaned up pretty Mm -hmm. easily. It's just adjustment of the body and her getting um, herself into those positions more often. Because like, you know, with OL Reign, it's just a different style sometimes. So yeah. but yeah, I mean, listen, she showed what she can offer at the other end, which I mean, is needed. So, oh, and, and yeah. perhaps most importantly, right, we saw tactically at the beginning of the game, this was Canada's game plan. And there's a little bit of that element, too, of sure. it's hard to blame a defender when they're being targeted that aggressively. Yeah. Everything was running yeah. on that left side. And so just it becomes recency bias of you have so many 1v1s that you have to take on. You're going to win some. You're not going to win all of them yeah. against a good attacker. Um, and Vlaco said after the game that they kind of expected that and they trusted where to and it did give them moments in transition. We saw the U.S. in the first half hour of this game get a lot of space in behind against Canada. They put, I mean, Canada pushed Ashley Lawrence forward as they need to do to drive their attack. The U.S. in transition looked really dangerous. And then the final shot just yeah. was not there. So let's talk about that. We've seen systemic issues with this team in terms of the attack being predictable, a little bit boring too many crosses in all of that sort of stuff. Yep. That's not really what we saw in the first half of this game. We saw overloads. We saw five V threes in transition and the shots were not, I mean, Kaylin Sheridan had a very good game. Some of them were saved, but just kind of set into the stands a a number of times. Now, again, you're playing coach. Is that one where you (laughs) say, (laughs) We, oh, maybe we need to rotate a little bit more to see if we can get a hot foot in there. Or do you say, I trust my players. I know they can do better than this. What, what's the approach when you have clearly very talented players struggle with that, that level of finishing in a big game? Yeah. I mean, I think you say the course, right? I mean, I think this is, the, you know, the, the, the big thing is, well, first of all, these two teams match up really well. I think yeah. it's always an exciting match, right? And we've we've talked about the evolution or it's been talked about in terms of um, evolution of Canada and what they've looked like under Bev Priestman as well. Um, and But like, this is always going to be somewhat of a transitional game between the two. So, and right. that suits the U.S. so well, right? Um, but that isn't something that they've really um, 
totally experienced in that. Certainly not in the last month, right? Correct. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I think that has something to do with it, right? I think it's another um, bit of a nuance of like, you know, the show put it getting Sophia Smith and Mal Pugh in particular, because they are the most dynamic, right? You add Alex Morgan to that mix for sure. Um, But those two in particular, um, who we have seen in the NWSL score those time and time again so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also just the, the the next level, right, of putting this team on their shoulders, carrying it, and just getting used to that type of environment, that type of pressure when the game matters the most. And that's why I think there's there's so many things that can be cleaned up, no doubt, and no one's walking away from that game being like, this is awesome. Right. But you're also saying like, hey, listen, we're putting ourselves in these positions this is something I typically score. And now it's about calming myself in these moments, but also getting more of these games. And I think that has been the dialogue mm-hmm. around like how we, ha- how the U S hasn't been able to get these games, right. Um, um, high level consistently and with these kind of pressure situations. So it's just about getting those minutes and then it'll come because these, these, those two players in particular, I, the reason why I speak about them is because, they're creating chances out of nothing. They're creating yes. chances for themselves, right? They're putting other players in great positions. They're providing outlets. They're providing um, ability to link. And so um, it will rely on them. And I think those two players actually do welcome it. It's just about consistently getting in those positions and, and getting more of these games, quite quite frankly. Yeah, and I don't want to under – I don't want to um... – underrate exactly what a presence Kaylin Sheridan is in goal. I mean, I think oh, she's, goodness, she's yeah. the best goalkeeper in the world right now, just Same. straight up. Yeah. Um, and, and she had another very good game. I think even just her general presence um, does force attackers to try a little bit harder when they've got that final, mm-hmm. final finishing attack. And I think that even that can sometimes influence people putting a little bit too much juice on it. Um, so yeah, let's talk about, let's switch over then speaking about getting people minutes, getting people minutes, getting, well, actually, uh, let me just oh, back up real yeah. quick. Sorry. Yeah. To, uh, I think that is, is such an important point too about Kaylin, but I also think it's also important about those def- defenders for Canada too. I mean, these are high level yes. playing some playing in Europe, right. And even just the slightest little bit of movement can throw a defender or excuse me, attacker off ways that you're not, you know, they might not see every single day. Right. Or again, in these um, particular situations where things are on the line. So I don't think that can be understated either. And that's why, those games are so important because all of the little aspects, mm-hmm. right. That come into play. Anyway, yeah, sorry, the Canada, no, you're exactly. Yes. The Canada defense is very, very good. And just, you, you look at even the physical profile of that defense. I think Vanessa Gilles had another good game. Certainly, um, yep. I, you know, obviously we all know what Ashley Lawrence can do. Kadisha Buchanan can do. Mm-hmm. We saw some defensive subs actually give Canada some trouble later in the match. Um, but yeah, that, that starting defense and I actually had that thought too, which is that you don't always understand exactly what's happening to an attacker's angle on a stream. Mm-hmm. You don't always see exactly what a defender is doing to cut angles off. You don't always see exactly what uh, a goalkeeper is doing to cut angles off. Yeah, yeah. And so, like you said, that's why those experiences are so important. Um, now, similar seg to players. Uh, I was really intrigued by this starting 11 as well, because there was some, some questions, I guess, Going through this tournament, we saw Casey Murphy get two consecutive starts, one in the semifinal against Costa Rica. Everyone a little bit is like, is this a true changing of the guard here for, for the goalkeeping position? Having a listener start against Canada feels like actually, no, this was just getting Casey Murphy 
really serious minutes. And we saw Murphy look a little bit nervous against Costa Rica as well. Um, because that, I mean, a different opponent, but also a knockout game, very important game to get to the final. Um, what was your take on just the rotation of the goalkeeping speci- position specifically? And then also with the understanding that Nair, frankly, did not have that much to do last night. Yeah, she didn't. And I think that's what separates, you know, a lot of times we look at like NWSL and we're, you know, listen, the goalkeeping um, pool player pool is deep, right? I mean, it, it really is. And um, I I still think though, that this is, and, and this is why it's interesting at the international level, because you can go games without um, having much to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And how you, how that affects the goalkeeper is a big thing because, you could go quite frankly, quite a few games and that be the case. Right. And when it matters most, can you come up with a save and, and Alyssa Nair has proven that she can. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, and, and I'm a big fan of Kingsbury and, and Murphy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all three of those goalkeepers are completely strong. If you need them, I do believe that they can step in and make some, some critical saves when needed. Um, but to me, it's still Alyssa Nair's um, is the number one in this case, because I look at her play with Chicago Red Stars this year. I mean, she's been some of the best play that I've seen her play in her career, right? And she has the longevity and she has the understanding of working in these moments where it matters. And so when you're starting to um, have more turnover with younger players, and this is something I have talked about, right? Is like feathering in or having still some of the veteran leadership throughout some of the lines just to allow for a little bit more security as these players are like freaking soaring. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that goalkeeping position, first of all, there's longevity in that goalkeeping position. That's different than any other yeah, than a field player. Well, right? right. But to me, I mean, a listener is playing her top soccer. Um, she is, um, you know, has been there. She's been in these moments um, and we've seen what she can do in these moments um, when it's necessary. And so that spot to me is, is hers unless she's like, Nope. I don't want it anymore. Right. Which I don't see that happening, but I do think it is important because we have gotten ourselves in the past into some situations where the next player down hasn't had any minutes or very few um, caps in critical situations as of what we were talking about. So, you know, obviously um, there has been a lot of talk about just rotation in general from Blacko and how much he has rotated, right. Whether it was at the Olympics, whether it's now, um, but I think in some of those aspects, um, at least in this tournament, is necessary. And, you know, as long as that's communicated, um, and which I would hope that it is, right, between Murphy and Nair, and they're switching back and forth, then I think there'd be an understanding um, of what's happening, right? So, yeah. And, and a point, this was a point made to me last week, which is, which is very true. And, and this kind of lends credence to the whole idea, which is that Alyssa Nair has been in Casey Murphy's position. She has been, yep. or even Kingsbury's position. She has been in, in, in this role where she was getting called into camp after camp after camp and would not get any game time. And mm-hmm. then suddenly Hope Solo's departure from the team you have you have goalkeepers that have not gotten a lot of time at all. So I feel like if there's anybody who would understand this process and the need for it, it would be someone yeah. like a listener. Yeah. yeah, 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 certainly. And I do think people forget. Um, I was talking about that not too long ago, actually, as well. How long a listener sat on the bench or waited to get called in and performed at the club level, right? Until yeah. she got got her opportunities. Um, yeah, it can't be understated because, and, and that's just evolution, right? I think. I mean, this is the period. These are just kind of like the trials and tribulations that the team is going through, figuring out like 
some of the the ongoings of like the pairings and the the connections on the field. Moving into that then, and this is another, I think, position of, as we've seen, as we saw, great depth for the United States, center back. So they needed to call on that depth before the tournament even started, right? They had two um, two center backs who were at both the World Cup and the Olympics who were not available due to injury in Tierna Davidson and Abby Dahlkemper. Um, Naomi Gurma does great in this tournament, yeah. right? She yeah. has, in her starts, she looks cool, calm, collected. She actually provides looks and distribution that I'm not sure Cook and Sauerbrunn even do. She, she provides a lot of different things. Now, Vlaco also has been doing a pretty clinical you play 180 consecutive minutes. We're rotating the next center back right. in through this tournament. He did not do that in, in, in this particular game. We had Sauerbrunn and Cook. Now, obviously, there are numbers of reasons why you do that in a game against Canada. What did you think or what do you think? I have a concern, I guess, that Gurma is not being fast tracked the way I would like her to be fast tracked. Mm -hmm. I think that they're taking a little bit of a slower approach. They're keeping her on the left side. So she and Sauerbrunn don't really play together that much because they both play on that same left center back position. This is like a long term progress, I think, for Vladko. But I want more of it now. Yeah. So what, what's your thought on, on how Gurma's being brought along considering what we've seen from her in the minutes that she has gotten? Well, I, I mean, listen, I am a, I'm a huge fan of Naomi Gurma. I mean, in this tournament, as you spoke about, and then in the league, right? Even when Abby Delkinver's been out, like we talked about the pairing of them and like what right. that was like, and then she's yeah. like stepped up like a seasoned veteran leading that line back there, right? Um, and I think sometimes I'm not as, as concerned because I feel like, she's going to find her way on that field no matter what, because I yeah. agree with you completely in terms of um, her ability and some of the passes she's looking for. And just like, you know, there's something about the way that she plays that just is like, it's a zone, a, a, a zone tether, uh, a tone setter. Right. And it's like, that feels like sometimes what we need even more, especially mm-hmm. when these games are like wide open. Right. And um, I really appreciate that about her game. So I'm not totally concerned because I do feel like she's going to find her way, like I said, one way or another on the field and she's getting quality minutes in the league, which is still elevating her play. Um, You know, this feels like one of those things where I don't know what the conversations are going on behind the scenes there and what are kind of they're looking at or why they, they have gone with the cook Sauerbrunn um, pairing what they feel comfortable, except for the fact that like, are you still kind of going with like the leadership, right? right. And young player, because yeah, I mean, it's to answer your question more specifically, I, the fast track is, is needed. I think she's going to get that. Yeah. And also I think I feel calm because she's going to have to get that as well, because, you know, there's a lot of unknowns with Tierna David. And yeah. uh, obviously, I think Dalkemper's back playing, mm-hmm. but um, there is unknowns with players that are coming back from injury and what that's going to look like, right? And yeah. I think my thing is with this tournament coming into this tournament, right? Mm-hmm. It was, was the fact that like get the balance right of veterans and some of the inexperienced players because this is a, a, a championship that a lot of players haven't been involved in. Like, right. We are, right. we all know that. Right. And I like hammered that away. You and I had even conversations about like yeah. about Megan being called in and why would you do that? Right. right. 
I think that that could shift potentially and look very different going in now and who he calls in and giving more players. Like I still think, you know, Naomi Gurma to who we're talking about, Sam Coffey, I think she could be fast tracked as mm-hmm. well. I mean, I've been a huge fan of hers and what she's been able to display this year. So I think now that starts to shift in a different way and we could see some different players quote unquote be fast tracked now that they have qualified for both the world cup and Olympics. All right. That's out of the way. Now where are the pieces that we really feel like we need to like grab a hold of and make some moves on. Right. Because there's obviously some solidified pieces that we've talked about. Right. Um, and really I think what it's going to come down with the name of Gurma is what the partnership looks like, yeah. who she playing with, what does Becky Sauerbrunn's minutes look like, right. If she is going to play on that left side. Right. And um, I think those things will just actually kind of fluidly work their way through like workout. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, that does make sense. And I think obviously, like you said, um, Becky Sauerbrunn can't play every game. We right. know that. Um, and so having someone who specifically plays on, on her side of the field mm-hmm. as a rotation, and he does like to rotate center backs. He's not the kind of person to, to have just the same center back pairing. We saw that in the Olympics for better or for worse. He does not, totally. he does not go with the same center backs every time. Um, okay. Let's, let's, get into the Megan Rapino question. Cause I'm, I'm genuinely curious what your thought is. You know, we haven't actually, you know, talked on the show since even prior to the roster being announced. Yeah. Um, we saw, especially in this game, we saw those leadership points, right? We saw Alex Morgan. Um, I think a lot of her influence in that game yesterday was more of that pushing the team, being that person kind of pushing the, the players who had not, been in this position before to stay focused. Um, Becky, Becky Sauerbrunn said after the game that she had a really cool moment with Mallory Pugh where they like locked eyes and were like, we're winning this game before they had even scored. So Sauerbrunn, a huge part of that. Pino, before even the tournament began, you know, Vlako Andonovsky basically said she's there as a leadership. She's there as a leader and she's not going to see a lot of time on the field. Yeah. And that's what we saw, right? She was there as a leader. She did not see a lot of time on the field. Mm-hmm. We're not in the locker room. We, I mean, obviously can, how influential can you be in that leadership kind of a role? If you are not out there on the field consistently with the understanding that what you bring maybe as a late game sub is different than what you would bring as a starter. And they're not going in that direction right now. Yeah. Um, well, I think you can still certainly be um, a massive role, like a massive role, right? And um, in terms of um, just, you know, kind of as much as you possibly can relay information on what this is like, help keep the environment calm when necessary. And then also, I think it's also a little bit of a buffer in terms of um, if, if, by chance the team was going to get themselves into like penalty kicks, right. Or right. in sort of a situation where, you know, you could rely on Megan to, to step in, right. And be a little bit of a game changer at the end. Um, but I also think it's like, you know, it's Flacco's first um, time as a head coach in like a world championship in the Olympics. And I think he also learned a ton, right. Of like what those environments are like, and then to be able to, um, you know, grow as well in that position. But then also I think probably having Becky and Megan as kind of like the in-betweens him and the team, right. And be able to relay information and that kind of stuff. Um, I think could be heavily um, important. So I think that's more 
where that could come into to play, right? And who he can rely on um, in terms of just um, being the go between in terms of being able to relay information on what these environments are like and whatnot, mm-hmm. right? And I think that is where um, Megan's influence cannot be understated sure. and how she can, um, you know, be that go-between, essentially. Okay, so then kind of taking it to the next, we, we've made it through, right? We made it through the tournament. Yeah. Um, ultimately it was a roster spot that they had room for. They were correct. They had room for that roster spot. It didn't affect them on the field and Mm -hmm. it helped them off the field. Right. Um, going forward, do you think there's room for Megan Rapinoe on like a world cup 23 or is it just too soon to tell? Well, I think it's partially too soon to tell. However, and I think it also depends on the makeup of your entire team. Right. And the only reason why I say too, too soon to tell is because, you know, well, one thing is, is like when you have 23, you're going to go into this roster. And we've talked a lot about it here in the Euros, right, too. Mm-hmm. It's like you 23 player roster and um, and possibly it, 26. I know the, yes, the men got exactly. 26, that's, right? That's yeah. Like even yeah. more massive. But right. I think with like a 23, um, you know, it just depends on what the makeup of your roster is going to look like. I think yeah. It depends on um, how how you want to rotate players at that point in time, because there was even on like a 21 player roster, um, there was players that wouldn't play many minutes at all. So 23 is a lot bigger. And I always think back to, and this would be like kind of on the other end, right? Because you, it depends on which way you really want to go or need to go. Um, but um, for in the 94 world cup, Brazil brought original Ronaldo, I say right. um, as a player that he, they knew he wasn't going to play at all. Right. And they just bring them for the experience, understand what the environment is like. Right. And so teams can go that way. Or do you bring an older player that you know that you're not going to play to have experience for what it's like in the environment Mm -hmm. in terms of like pushing the team. Right. Or, or whatever. Um, But, you know, honestly, I think it depends because I mean, listen, we're seeing, we're seeing Mal Pugh, we're seeing um, Sophia Smith right now with the starts, you know, that doesn't even include Macario. Right. Um, you have Trinity Rodman, right. And we've seen her play at the num- number nine. So yeah. I think there's, there's so many questions still be had. There's so many players. I think what's so interesting about qualifying here is because in right now is in the importance of it because there's so many players missing. Right. Right. I mean, you could, you could almost field, I mean, Crystal Dunn, right. You could like, yeah. there's so many players that are unknowns right now that are going to come back most likely and they could field a whole nother starting 11. Right. No, I mean the work, the work almost really just begins. Maybe, maybe this is a good, this is a question that I've had in the back of my head. Um, and I'm interested in what you think. So we see this a lot. Well, okay. So we don't see this a lot with the U S women's national team, but we see it a lot in men's qualifying and we maybe see it growing more as teams get deeper around the world. You have this group, this group of 23 um, that, that goes down, they qualify for the World Cup, they qualify for the Olympics. They, in some ways, you know, they're punching above their weight considering all of the absences. How then, as a coach, do you manage telling some of these players that they're not in the future plans for maybe the World Cup? Maybe you say, thank you for helping us get here. We're glad you got this experience. Now we need to start. Crystal Dunn has been training. Like she's working her way back in. I can't wait for her to get back. I know. <laughs> and that's also fascinating because Emily Fox has done so well. So yeah. what position does Crystal Dunn come back in as? Mm-hmm. Vlatko has balanced things 
he's swung both ways as we've seen, right? He's been very, I need to see it in club before I see it for country, but he's also been, there are some players that I am going to bring back in no matter what, because I know what they can do. How do you start managing that now that like all the champagne's been popped, corks have been popped. Everyone had a great time. How do you start there? There's going to be some more, more broken hearts here going forward. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the challenge of being the U S women's national team coach. Right. And I think that that's where it's, it's the toughest one of the toughest jobs just because of how deep this team is. Right. And I think when you, and, and that's, we all know that. Um, and, and I've always said too, I think sometimes things do kind of smooth themselves out and you start to see things take shape. Right. Um, but this, this is potentially the deepest that we've seen this national team and with players who can step on um, the field and make it, make a difference. So, you know, it, as much as like there was, you know, dialogue around like performances and stuff coming into this I think at the highest level the unfortunate part about that is there's so much more nuance right Right. just being like you have to perform because there's so much more of like makings up and one of the reasons why we saw Megan get called in right because Mm -hmm. in terms of her leadership or whatever right so but going forward I mean I with the the league and the quality of play I expect, I mean, I think these people are, these players are going to perform, right? And right. it's going to be difficult and they're going to want to play. So it's really, to me, about getting those partnerships right. And that's why I've talked a lot about, too, about what that looks like with your club yeah. and how you're performing with players and club. And, you know, case in point, Naomi Gurma and Abby Dahlkemper was their partnership. We talked right. about Rodman and Sanchez, right? So, but yeah, I don't, I'm happy that I'm not making those decisions. Yeah. Um, but I think it is interesting to see. Yeah, does Crystal Dunn play in the midfield? You right. know, like it's a, um, and it's a deep midfield, right? It's, yeah. it's that's a difficult yeah. group to to break into. Yeah, yeah. And, these, and these are some of the answers that I I or questions I don't have answers to because one, I think it is you know a year is a short amount of time leading up, yeah. but it's also you have a long time too, right? Um, in some ways, it feels like. Um, and again, like you know, players coming back from injury, what's that look like? Um, right. So yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. What are your thoughts? Do you have thoughts on this? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think, I think it's a difficult, I think it is particularly hard when you have this many absences specifically due to either pregnancy or injury, when you do have to make some calls, cause you're not necessarily going to see it on club form. We're not going to see Katarina Macario for club until right. what March or April of next year. Um, but you play, you bring that player in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to see Kristen Press play for another mm-hmm. nine months, and that's so tough for a player who has, you know, he he said she was on the bubble, right? How do you how do you as a bubble player yep. prove your way back in when you're coming back from injury without re-injuring yourself? I think that's really hard. Well, and also a player too, and Kristen Press, who I said, and I think you, would, we all thought that she had played well enough to be enough. In, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And her perf- so when you're talking about performance have had performed well enough to be called in, right. At least before she had gotten injured too. Right. So, and yeah. so it's like, what else can she, first of all, it's what else can she do? And then exactly. now coming back from this disadvantage. Um, yeah. and, and like you said, you never know exactly how someone is going to bounce back. Tierna Davidson is a player that now, you know, she's dealt with a broken leg. She basically yeah. broke her ankle, um, in 2019, now dealing with an ACL, she's she's racked up quite a few serious injuries in her short career already. Um, and also, as we've seen in the Euros, 
this is going to be a part of the game now. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can expect that even everybody in this 23, you know, knock on wood is going to be healthy next year. We don't know that. Mm-hmm. And so it's good that we have my take on it is that it's good that we actually have more national team tape on players than we have in a very long time. Mm-hmm. It's rare for us to be like, yes, we've actually seen 35 players play for this team over the last calendar year. That's really helpful, but that does also make the choices more difficult when some of it is going to have to be based on faith, considering the timeline of some of these injuries. Yeah. Well, um, and also, which I think is interesting too. And that's where I say, um, I think sometimes these things naturally kind of work out for the, for, for some decisions being made right. I think it's less about maybe about the full 23 or 26, mm-hmm. what that looks like. I think that the biggest challenge is what is the best makeup of the 11? And sure. then in, in terms of the rhythm of the, the rhythm of what I think is sometimes the best of a, of a, um, a tournament. And I think the teams that we've seen here in the um, Euros as well have done well, there hasn't been overhaul changes, right? So getting the 11 right, and then maybe having, depending on your opponent, not taking anybody lightly, but having some pre-planned changes to manage minutes, right? That's how I've always experienced when when I played, right, within a World Cup, Olympics, pre-planned, you had some idea, it wasn't about taking opponents lightly, but it was just having understanding and managing minutes, faith in everybody. But then sticking with a group, right? right. The, we're going with this group. This feels like the best 11 together for us. So we're going with it. And to me, that's the bigger challenge because I think, goodness, we have so there's always going to be somebody left out sure. and because of just given the situation of the players available. Right. right. So. Yeah. And I think that's another good point getting us actually back to the Canada game, which is that um, I was a little bit reassured by looking at that starting 11 on, on Monday and thinking, yeah, this is probably pretty close to your veteran newer player way you want to play against Canada, who I think is, you know, more likely to be dangerous. I was like, this is it came a little bit closer to being like, okay, this is closer to the A11 here. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes there's this fear that that Vladko skews too far away from that, that he's maybe too focused on rotation and too yeah. focused on, on minutes managing. And so I, I was actually happy to see that. I was like, okay, we can actually see the change in approach from the game before or the yeah. game before that. Yeah, yeah. And this is actually brings up another point that that I I don't actually think I know the answer to, which is why I'm asking. Mm-hmm. is so this is getting to the other another big topic of conversation which is Vladko himself and the way he's he's managing the team managing both the roster and the tactics all of that different stuff um and i and i want to go back and and sort of mention a quote from Alex Morgan earlier this week and and i think that this opens up an avenue of of conversation that i think has pros and has cons which mm-hmm. is that she said actually this week and she said on the broadcast last night after the final that Andonovsky is really asking them to attune the game plan to the opponent. He wants different things based on who the U S is playing, which I think some, I think is a difficult thing to do. I'll say. And I think is also an indicative of his history as a club coach. I think that there's that element as well. We've, this is a long topic of conversation in the men's game, which is that our great club coaches 
always the best fit for a national team because sometimes they try to do things that are too nuanced and take too much time. And you don't get that with a national team, especially with the new structure of the U S they're not doing six week camps. When I, when I heard that Alex Morgan quote, I was like, Oh, maybe they need one. Um, (laughs) So the dream is that this turns into a team that can play anybody and is infinitely versatile, nuanced, smart, attacking, defensive, all of that. Is it possible though, to do that with a national team or is it getting, cause we saw it get a little muddy sometimes in this tournament. Is that, I mean, do the risks outweigh the, the reward there? What do you think, Lori? Yeah. So I think, you know, in gen- generally, there has to be a game plan that's focused on yourself, right? This is what we're good at. This is what we're known for. This is how we want to attack. And there has to be like principles that like, this is what we're sticking with. Right. And those should be, in my opinion, the overarching theme, right? right? So that everyone has a pretty clear or, or very clear coming into the national team. And I do, I do think that that is the tough thing given to what you just said, right. which is a limited time. And, you know, I, I've, I've talked about this for quite a while now too. It's just like gone in the days when they're going to have all this time leading up. So yeah. it has to be clear understanding, right? right. More so. Um, and then I think you feather in and have some of that nuance, depending on the opponent that you're playing, depending on what they're giving you, because we have seen historically, and this isn't just with this current team, that it is difficult for the U.S. to, for us to break down yep. low blocks, right? And if there's, I'll be completely honest. This is like my only real sizzle take on that game last night is I started getting frustrated as a viewer from minute 45 to 85 because I was like, only one team is trying to score. That doesn't seem fair. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, we've experienced a little bit of that in the Euros too. And and I think that is a whole like another topic of like the evolution of women's soccer in general, um, which I find fascinating. And we've talked a lot about here within our our team that's working the Euros. And I think a lot about um, but like, honestly, like, I think it's all comes down to communication and how it's being worded and communicated to your players, right? If it's very complex and you have no clue what's happening, then that would be worrisome, right? right. If you have the general understanding and the players get it, then, um, and then you're trying to add in some different nuance to how other teams play, great if that's how as long as the players are getting it right? right and then like and so if we're all watching as viewers and it feels like it's like there's a lot of turnover and then it's muddy because because it's either being miscommunicated or it's not clear enough or the players aren't understanding on that end right then there has to be like hey let's get back to the drawing board essentially because this is going to be too complex especially with a limited time right and especially given i think when you look at this team there's i mean the the talent is yeah. outrageous, right? right? So simplification to me is always going to be yeah. the um, the key there. Um, but I think as teams get better in the way that we've seen Blacko work, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of data it seems like, and there's a lot of nuance to a lot of it, right? right. And I think again, I think the jokes are at least it is in the commentating world about like you know in zone. 25, right? I'm just showing right, like, right, you know, yeah. this and that, if that's it, like, right. What? No, yeah. no. So I think it, it comes down to like how that's um, being reiterated. And I also find it always interesting too, when we hear that from um, Alex, you know, it is a quote that she put in and like, 
I understand that, but like, what is all the context around it? Right. Of course. Like, right. What does that mean? So there's always more to, to that. Of course. Just, right. Uh, yeah. Which you would know. Yeah. I'm just yeah. saying. Like, yeah. So what does that look like? Of course. Yeah. I think, um, well, and I think it's also right. It, it's more to, it seemed to me more like a player trying to relay sort of the puzzle pieces that they're trying to put together rather than anything much bigger than that. Um, I do think that I'll say this. I also find it it's funny and I've laughed about this before is that the way that Vlaco is managing the team also makes them very difficult to like do this about because you watch them play Haiti and you say, well, that's not going to work against Jamaica, but they don't play that way against Jamaica. Yeah. But then you go, oh, well, that's not going to work against Mexico. And then they play a different way. And then you go, oh, well, that's not going to work against Canada. They don't play the same way against Canada. And yeah. so it's really hard to analyze from game to game because you know that the game plan is going to be tweaked, but you don't necessarily know how. And so you watch one game and you go, well, that's not going to work against this team but we're starting to see a pattern of like, they know that they're not going to try to play the exact same way against every team. Um, yeah. But the question is whether or not they can execute within that. And I think that's where we're seeing it fail sometimes. Right. And I also think too, it just, the, it's the key is to make sure like that the players feel the fluidity and the freedom right. to, to do the things that, that make them great. Right. Cause when you do look at the talent, you want to be able to bring that out. You want that. And so sometimes I think, Whereas viewers and we're watching, it does feel, you know, for the way that I think of it is restrictive or there's some thoughts overthinking at times. Yeah. Right. And, and so how do you bring what their best qualities are out in a fluid way, regardless of right. who they're playing? And that's always going to be the challenge. It's just a matter, I think, um, going forward as you start to hash out who is going to be more of that starting 11 or even in the top 15. Right. Right making sure that everybody's on on that same page consistently and there's right. not too much change. Yeah. And I think we saw, I think it's interesting to watch in this particular moment and it will be fascinating to see if it starts to become more intuitive and feel more natural as the year goes on, because I do think you could see the, the wheels turning sometimes, right? Where you see a player move in one particular direction, then you can see the switch flip and they go, oh no, I have to, my defensive duty is this and I have to go do that. Or you see a player out wide, be like, I need to be looking for Alex Morgan. Or you see Alex Morgan a couple of times in this game. She tried actually some very cool link up play to send it out wide and the winger wasn't quite ready for it. And mm -hmm. so you can see some of them. They're, they're trying some things, which is great. Um, and it's not always connecting. And again, it's that decision making that just doesn't always feel quite right. Um, and it, again, it will either start to work or it won't. And it'll be interesting to see if the team pivots, if it's not working, if they have yes, to really simplify. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think also this is the danger maybe of bringing two number nines who are very different kinds of players. If they are bringing yeah. Macario and mm -hmm. bringing Morgan first, maybe Vlako Andonofsky says, but that's great because we can play different teams different ways. But if you're only, you know, if you're keeping the wingers the same and giving them a different game plan, that can get kind of confusing. And so I think it's a challenge for the players that you also have on the field. And like we've said a million times, the crosses, the long balls, sometimes those are warranted. Sometimes it feels like a player who doesn't know what else to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that kind of has felt like in the past too, is like, um, 
you know, it's interesting to have so many changes, but then also get stuck in the ways of like going with the exact same game plan and not right being will in, in having that rigidness and not be willing to change. Right. Um, but yes, uh, simplifying regardless, mm-hmm. I think is going to be important yeah. because, and, and that doesn't mean, um, dumbing anything down. That just right. 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 A lot within the system, you have, you have a very clear picture, right. Mm-hmm. And then you go with the players, at least the starting 11 pretty consistently, regardless who you are, you are playing and knowing that they understand what the role is, what is being asked of them. Yeah. Um, right. And then being able to execute from there, because I think that is always going to be you know, I always, I've used Portland a lot in an example like this and how they've been able to be so successful with so many national team or international players gone. gone yeah. It does feel like even under Parsons and then now under Rian Wilkinson, it does feel like there has been a clear picture, yes, right? And right. these players, when they step in, regardless yeah. of who's playing, there's a clear understanding of what that role is. Yeah. And I think the more you can do that, the better. Right. And I think within Vlaco system and how he wants to have some nuance to the way they play, there has to be an overarching theme that everybody's bought into that everybody knows. Cause otherwise, yes. I mean, it is with the amount of talent that is on this team in the depth, you could start anybody. Right. Not anybody, but you get what my point. I um, mean, this tournament has given an argument pretty close to that, though, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's gotten this was about as close to, you know, the adage of like the U.S. could bring a couple teams to these tournaments. Yep. This got pretty close to that, it felt yeah. like. And, and they did pretty well. Um, yeah, the that's one exciting, I'll, right? That's yes, exciting yeah, and also yeah. challenging. So, yeah. Um, yeah, one I have I have one more position of the field I want to talk about. And then I just have one general question and then I'll let you go. <laughs> just talking straight yeah, U.S. No. for an hour. But um Andy Sullivan, there was a lot of discussion about the number six going into this tournament as well. Vladko said this beforehand. You can't see it till you see it, but it kind of turned out to be true. A lot of these games did not ask for a traditional number six. That was not the question asked of the team. Now, against Canada, I thought it was. And I think that some people have been a little bit underwhelmed by Andy Sullivan. Sometimes she's had trouble playing herself into the games, especially the ones where there is no penetration uh, up the middle from the other team. Canada was getting a lot of space out wide. We talked about that at the top of the show, right? They were having a good job with Huerta. Canada switches their focus to, um, yeah, you talk about like those zones, the seam, the seam going in that, that triangle between the center backs and the number six was a non-starter for them, complete Mm non-starter. So this is again, a philosophical question, but maybe one that speaks to this Andy, you know, the Andy Sullivan thing trying to bring Sam coffee along, perhaps figure out the, mm-hmm. that six role. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like very different things again, are asked of that player, depending on who they are playing. Was this even a good tournament to get an idea of what they need at the defensive midfield? And, and what did you think of Sullivan yesterday in particular? Yeah. So I think in general, um, it's always tough because it depends on what's being asked. Right. right. I think, I also think one thing about Andy too, that if you're just watching the game, right. Like there's a lot of things that like, don't always catch. Yes. You know, she's a, a better player live. I will say this. She's, she's, yeah, a, yeah. it's much harder to appreciate what she does on TV. 100%. Yeah. And, uh, and I've known Andy for a long time, 
Becky and I used to train with her when she was in high school, right? So she would train with us. Um, but she, the organization that she brings, yeah. um, you know, the problem solving that she does that a lot of times when you're just watching a game to your point is goes unnoticed, right? So I think there's a lot of things off the ball. I think a lot of us are still waiting for what she can do on the ball too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I looked at some of the moments watching the game last night And I still think one area in particular that the U.S. can get better in is um, a bit more of the spacing centrally, because I actually found, even though they had some success out wide with Nichelle Prince, right, and the 1v1s that we talked about with Huerta, I actually thought they found Fleming way too easily. Yeah. And and to me, that spacing, right? Sometimes we see Rose get pushed up to the um, higher up, and then you have a 2v3 situation or more, depending on the movement of the opposition. In that particular case, it would be Canada. So I think that actually has to be sorted out because yeah. listen we knew that julia was going to come in she's going to you know do what she does best right. right and i also think without julia we also saw what sweden was able to capitalize on in yes. that open game in the olympics right? right and what was that caused by the spacing issues in my yeah. opinion in the central areas so until we get tighter between the lines yeah. and allow um for less room for Canada or whoever we're playing against, then that will be an issue. And it starts with the spacing and the the starting positions, I think, of those three center mids. So that has to be, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. um, an area of focus going forward. Then I do believe that a player like Andy, Sam Coffey, who we haven't actually seen yet at this level, right? right? But I do feel like she has a really high ceiling that could step into that role. Um, I think we're going to see the qualities of Andy Sullivan come out a bit more, right? Mm-hmm. We're being able to get on the ball, have an outlet quickly if needed, mm-hmm. but then be able to take a touch and see her being able to spray balls. She, I mean, this is a player that we haven't seen at this level, but can play phenomenal balls going right. forward. She can yeah. break lines with a pass, right? It just, I think there's too much space mm. sometimes in yeah. that area to cover defensively and you're, you're so mindful of that in transitional right. moments that we haven't seen whether Taran, who's not a, we can all agree that is not, that's not her, best. but she can do dual. She can do dual six oh. as well. Right. Oh, yeah. I have said yeah. that a hundred right. times. And right. if you just have to shift and we actually did see her drop yes. in next to right. Andy. Mm-hmm. Listen, I've said that a hundred times over leading up into the, even these CONCACAF does yeah. a outside back step in and right. sit next to, um, you know, not to get off in a tangent, but Bayern Munich men do that <laughs> yeah, all the right. time. Right. Bayern yeah, Munich. Get Emily Fox in there, you know, yes. yeah, right. honestly, like yeah, uh, yeah. There's so many ways it can be solved. Yeah. Again, it comes down to communication and understanding from the players. Right. However, I, I am not, I don't think we've seen the best out of Andy. Mm-hmm. 100% do I think she can play at that level? Yes. Do I think that she can be dominant? Yes, because I do think she has the quality. I still think we need more when teams are going to sit back or even at moments during that Canada game, even though it's can get transitional, mm-hmm. a, a tone setter. I think yeah. that ha- because if you're going to play with Rose, who you're, who's going to draw the penalties, right? right. Who's going to get forward and do the back heels that we've seen to lead to goals, right? right. You're giving up something in that role to sure. have a type of player of course. there, right? Right. So then if you're not going to have a Juilliards, there has to be a better understanding, I think, overall. And, um, is, that, is that Sauerbrunn's job at all to, to kind of direct traffic from, from behind Sullivan? Is there communication there that could shore that up? Or is this just a training sort of a situation? Well, I think that's probably definitely being relayed, no doubt. Yeah. I think there is probably communication. I just also think it's the understanding of 
peeling somebody back mm-hmm. or again, pushing somebody into the space. I mean, listen, we talk about formations a ton, right? You can change formations, you mm-hmm. cannot, whatever, right? It really is just recognition of spacing yeah. and awareness. And so, um, and, and understanding with certain players, if you're going to play a certain way, you're giving up something or you're gaining something, right? And, mm-hmm. or, or however. So I think in that particular position, just have to get the spacing a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will come down to, do the lines need to be condensed a little bit or do we need to drop players in, um, in a different role? Well, and it did seem, I mean, Vladko also said after the match that especially in the first part of the game, um, that they were definitely giving something up defensively. They wanted to get the opening goal in that first 15 minutes. And they knew that, um, they didn't get the goal. And, and so then they had to make some adjustments to shore that up and get more help defense. And so, um, a calculated risk that actually didn't pay off, but, they were able to, to gut it out in the end. Okay. So here's my last question for you. Yeah. It's a, a bigger <laughs> one. <laughs> we've made, we made it through, we've, we've made it through the tournament. I feel, I feel a little bit of a dichotomy right now with the U S in that they win. Right. And so, and so the headline is U S women's national team wins CONCACAF. They have never lost. I mean, going back to 2010, right. Um, they haven't conceded a goal in over 11 years. They Canada has never beaten them in this competition. You have that. And then you have the conversation around the team, which is much more critical, higher criticism. Some people are almost like giving up on the Vladko project. It feels like we're at like two binaries right now. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like in time, people will look at this tournament a little bit kinder if it pays those depth dividends that the U S is hoping that it will. <laughs> uh, good question. Um, well, listen, I think this is what we want in, right. in sport, right. In a women's sport, we want more conversation. We want people asking questions. We want people to, I mean, I guess for lack of better debates, right. On like right. what we think is working, what, what we're not. And there's always going to be the highest expectation on this team and, and what it looks like and, and performances and if they think it's great or not. And everyone has, seems to have an opinion, right. Uh, just the way it is. Yes. Um, Which is good. We want, we want that. Yeah. Yes. I mean, but listen, I think that we, I think the general conversation around this is that this was, this was huge. Listen, yeah. teams are Hades good. Yeah. Right? Make us good. Yeah. Um, the CONCACAF is, and, and teams around the world. Rose Lavelle called it the hardest qualifying she's ever participated yeah. in. Yeah. And, like, and that was talked about coming in, right? Yeah. Like, um, yes, I think everyone was like, the expectation is you qualify, right? Yeah. No doubt. Um, but I was a believer coming into this, that this was going to be the hardest. The teams yeah. are getting better. There's more resources. I mean, there's still, there's all the conversation around that too, but right. um, players are getting better. They're playing more consistently. So, and also teams are posing different, um, you know, different um, questions to yeah. the U.S. The so game, in yeah. my opinion is like, yes, has it been the most exciting for a play of the U.S.? No, no. And we can, I'll say that. I even think the players would say that, right? right. Is this is it the most rewarding feeling in some of these games? No, but you got the job done, right? And now it is about regrouping. We've talked about the condensed schedule and ha- from the Olympics, right? Not getting the result they wanted there. Um, and then coming in here and starting to overhaul things, right? right? Now, I think once you get this done, now real questions have to be asked, though. Yeah. Right? You know, I mean, I think hard questions to your point about like, is Megan going to get called it? Who, yeah. you know? that's something that Vlaco is going to have to look at, right? Yeah. That'll be a conversation between the two of them, right? Um, and what the team and the makeup of that, what it looks like going forward for that. Um, you know, what, 
who are you, who are you starting as the nine, right? Is that out now Alex Morgan, right? right? Um, right. So, I mean, I think there's, a, like, to your point, the center backs, right? So mm-hmm. I think there's so many questions now that have to be ironed out. I do think that we should take a step back and be like, that's a huge accomplishment. Yes. You know, you've qualified for the Olympics and the World Cup. Yep. And given the amount of injuries, the players that you maybe thought were going to go into this, right. but weren't. And um yeah. And also I think, listen, much of the Euros calling all these games and there's so many questions coming out of there too. Like it's uh, true. Yes. Not every game has been amazing over there either. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, you know, I, I agree with that. I think I am looking at it a little bit kinder than some other people, but, um, but it's because I, I guess I am hopeful that this will turn into the U S women's national team that everybody wants them to be um, in a year. Yeah, no doubt. I think that's um, a good great way to put it too. And I think for me, it was looking at it like, this is the qualifiers, like mm-hmm. get, get this done. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, then you start to have to start putting the pieces together. Yeah. And then my, my one final positive too is, is going back to the Olympics and, and this tournament, it was, it was a similar, similar amount of time, kind of similar challenges. I think physically it was really hot, fast turnover game to game. Didn't have a lot of time to train in between. Um, or even like review games, they just had to like get to the next one. They were in camp for, I think, 31, 32 days, all of them together. Um, and, and I was struck sometimes going back and thinking about Tokyo, thinking about how like Alex Morgan didn't get to see her daughter that entire time when they were at the Olympics or just some of that compounded everybody jokes about the, the newest sisters talking about, you know, they're having to share a hotel room in Japan. And it's funny, but it's also like, this is not conducive to good, <laughs> to a good, you know, soccer team and just walking away from this tournament as imperfect as it was. And, and it seemed like everybody on the team walked away being like, we actually really got along. This was a good positive energy. We know it's not perfect, but, and everybody had like their low moments, but we knew how to get through that. I think that is also a good, good step forward from where they were last year. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, I think going into that Olympics too, um, the amount of time they were there prior yeah, um, and the preparation possibly a mistake. Yeah. yeah. And for yeah. experience too, part of the things that are so amazing about the world cup Olympics is being out and right. about and gaining yeah. energy. And if you're just in your hotel room the entire time, right. then goodness gracious. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it did. There seemed to be an in- energy around the team. Yeah. Um, that was exciting for the players and, you know, and you, and some, and sometimes just win ugly, right. Yeah. Even with the best performance, get it done, get it done. Like you just got to continue to move on. And then, but listen, I, I think that the, uh, with the, again, amount of talent on this team, everybody, there's a lot of want to see more, right. Cause there's Always. this exciting yeah. group, right. It's yeah. exciting group. And the young players are coming through given such a different look than we've seen in a long time. And that's, that's awesome. And that's fun. And you want to be able to bring out those talent. And so um, I'm hopeful. I'm yeah. hopeful getting over this, this hump in terms of the qualifications for both, which is a massive achievement and they should be extremely proud. Yeah. And um, yeah. And regroup and, and then the work begins, right? Yeah. I, so. I honestly think this is actually yeah. where it does. Like you yeah. got over that and this is where I had to start asking, solidifying more of a group, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Exciting times ahead. Well, thank you so much, Lori, for joining me. I know this is going long on like not what your day job has been recently, but <laughs> um, yeah, all good stuff. You know, probably no super hot takes here, but but a lot of fascinating questions. One of my favorite things about covering this team is you can 
talk about them forever. There's always, always new things to bring up, new things to talk about. So thank you so much, Lori, for joining me. I have been your host, Claire Watkins. Shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Jacqueline Purdy, and our distributor, Blue Wire Podcast. We will be back with you next week talking about something. I don't know. No NWSL, CONCACAF's open, probably talking some euros. That's probably what we'll end up doing. But everybody join us next week, and uh, we'll see you next time.